This is for my dreamers, doers, and audacious entrepreneurs. For those who want to wake up every day and be in love with the career you've created for yourself. This is for you. This is for us. This is the Forever Fun Employed Podcast with me, Jana Hall. Unemployed friends, you are listening to another episode of the Forever Unemployed podcast. I'm your host, Jana Hall. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I am joined today by another very special guest, Miss Deja Coley. Deja and I have been connected on Facebook for quite some time now, exchanging comments here and there. And uh, one day we just connected in the DMs and just decided, you know, to kind of just talk about our career paths and, you know, opportunities to collaborate. And this was the perfect opportunity to have her on. She is a fellow entrepreneur who is the founder of The Results Enthusiast, which is a firm that helps working professionals and entrepreneurs get comfortable getting uncomfortable with their habits and thoughts so that they can make lasting changes to the way they think about themselves and money. So thank you so much, Deja, for joining. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Jenna. So before we get started, I have to ask, what type of fun employed are you? So I do have a nine to five. Um, It's a bit of an untraditional nine to five, um, but I won't release too many details about that yet. But I have a nine to five and I'm also an entrepreneur. Okay. All right. So we are like I you all know, you know, this fun employed life is not just for the full time entrepreneurs. It is for people who want to be in the driver's seat of their path, of their career. So whether it's having a full time job that you love, having a, a full time job in a side business that you're pursuing or you're going, you know, head on full time entrepreneurship, anyone can be fun employed. So thank you again, Deja, for joining. So I mentioned briefly the, the your firm, the results enthusiast and um. I know I mentioned money, but that's one piece of it. You kind of approach, you know, the the consulting you do with entrepreneurs and professionals is more so about your inner self, the work that you do on yourself to feel better about yourself, to feel confident in your decisions, and to just have a, a good sense of self-worth. Can you kind of talk about your professional journey, what led you to this work that you're doing? Absolutely. So um, honestly, it all started with me developing my nonprofit organization. Um, it's called Girls Like Me. And the our mission for Girls Like Me is to help girls between the ages of 11 and 17 increase their self-esteem and their self-efficacy. And I was I was in college. Uh, I was like working like maybe like 20, 20 to 25 hours a week. I was taking 18 credit hours, which they tell you never to do. <laughs> um, but I did that at the same time. And this one day I was in my room and it kind of hit me like, oh, snap, like I was really tripping back then <laughs> um, because I, I realized kind of in that moment that I had allowed other people's opinions to dictate how I would live my life and how I would feel about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people during, especially during those middle school years, you know, people said a lot. I mean, especially if you were different, I was one of those different quote unquote black girls who, um, you know, I did come from a two parent home. Um, you know, my mom, she made sure we got our hair done on a, you know, biweekly schedule and just a lot of different things that, 
people weren't used to seeing um, in black girls. And um, and so I decided to start that nonprofit. And um, that was back in 2017. And so as time went on, um, me and my dad actually had a competition um, the year of 2018. Me and my dad had a competition earlier that spring. Um, who could get the highest credit score? And um, so at the end of the competition, I then again had another epiphany that I could do the same thing that I have done for these girls and I can mix that with the skills that I have obtained financially and merge the two and birth the results enthusiasts. So that's how that came about. Um, and in, in the, I guess the correlating piece was the same thing, you know, the same reason that, um, that the teen girls go through some of the things that they go through is self-esteem related or self-efficacy related. And that actually is very true for adults as well. But you see it in a different, you know, for kids, it's like relationships, but for adults, a lot of the time it's money. And so taking that concept, I was able to merge that idea and create the results enthusiast. And that's really important. I know that there's a lot of work that I'm doing on myself now um, as an almost 32 year old woman there are a lot of things that I'm addressing now within myself that the seeds were planted when I was in middle and high school. And so it's so important that, you know, and we don't think about these things. We don't realize that so much of who we are as a professional, as an entrepreneur, whatever, um, or as an adult, are there results of things we may have encountered, whether it's people, you know, making fun of us or bullying us, things we've internalized, messages that we've heard that we've told ourselves, you know, and we believe them to be true. Um, there's just so many things that we don't really think about um, how they affect who we are today. Um, you know, and so there, there are so many girls now and I'm, I love to see women pouring into young women because that's really where it starts. It really starts with, you know, having a solid sense of self when you're young. And if you did come from the type of home that maybe wasn't common in your school, or you did, you know, you were perceived to be different because of whatever variables you had growing up, that kind of stuff can affect you. And that can affect, you know, what, how you feel about yourself and what you decide to pursue when you're an adult, you know, it's, you have these confidence issues and things like that. And so um, how did you, you, you said you were, you know, made fun of, or you, you know, were ostracized for being different. How did that manifest itself as you got older? So I think one of the, so one of the things, um, a very good example. So when I was in eighth grade, I won, um, most, the superlative for most talkative <laughs> and that's something I kind of already knew, you know, my parents always say like, you know, I talk from sun up to sundown <laughs> and it, it's true. <laughs> it, it is true. Um, but I think that I I think that since, you know, everybody else kind of thought that about me, I think I, I felt like I had to live up to that in a way. I felt like, okay, well, you know, I'm most talkative, so I guess I got to talk and I got to keep talking. And, you know, it wasn't until, you know, recently, really, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of, you know, a lifetime, um, it wasn't until later, much later in my life that I realized that I had to do, I had to stop doing so much talking. I had to do more listening. Mm. So, you know, I think that's one, you know, that's just one way that I think 
you know, what other people said about me and, you know, how other people saw me. Um, I, I, I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to do that. And then, you know, once I really got a hold of who I wanted to be, really, you know, once I said like, mm, I don't want to be that person anymore, or this is who I do want to be. Then I started to fall in line with those things and just make sure that my behaviors and my actions were aligning with that. So it took you kind of doing this self-evaluation of, do I even want to be this person that everyone's saying I need to be? You know, who am I at my core, you know, outside of people's opinions? So you had to do that kind of reflecting for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So that, so once you figure it out, okay, this is who I am. I'm, I'm standing in my truth. And now I want to build something that helps me pour into young girls um, to help them realize who they are and, you know, and realize their truth. So what has been your experience, um, you know, or the most fulfilling part of running the results enthusiasts and serving young women the way that you do? So um, I think there's two, two questions there. Um, I, so I think the most fulfilling part of the results enthusiast, um, which is, you know, for, for all, you know, any, anyone can, you know, pretty much, um, become a client, but the most fulfilling part of the results enthusiast is the successes. And I would say that that's likewise for even girls like me and the results that I see in teen girls. So, um, we had uh, the pleasure of having one of our members and girls like me. Um, she was, she was about 15 years old, um, inner city, single parent. Um, I think she was maybe second to the oldest of her siblings. And, um, her mom was like, Oh, you know, this is a great organization. I really want her to be in it. And so, you know, the first three encounters with this young lady, she never cracked a smile. Like she was very unentertained. She was like, I mean, you can try talking to me, but I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, you know, and she didn't say that, but she, that was her demeanor. And, um, and then the very first day of our first workshop, you know, she left and she ever, that ever since that fourth workshop, she came back smiling. She came back, like, I'm ready to go. I want to do this. And, um, one of the things we do in the beginning of the program is the girls set goals and the girls, really think about what it is that they want in their future. And um, in the middle of that activity, initially she was super bubbly about it. And then in the middle of the activity, her mood just kind of dropped because, you know, she, she was told by her aunt and, you know, so many other, these, you know, all these other people that sh- you can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. You know? And so it had really, really gotten to her. Hey, we're talking to a child that's 15 years old, you know? Um, but she set one of the goals for herself to get her, um, driving permit before she turned 16 and she did it, you know, and I want to say that she accomplished something that no one before her had even accomplished. And so seeing that, you know, that was a success, especially for someone who has been torn down by words from people who claim that they love you, you know, and she went on to one of her other goals was, you know, she wanted to get a job and, you know, so she, she's, she's killing it, you know, and, Till this day, I think that was about maybe a year ago that she got the job. To this day, that child still is holding down that job. And so like seeing that and, you know, like that is amazing to see that 
that is what I live for, you know? And I mean, like I said, there's so many other success stories um, that come out of that. But for girls like me, that's definitely one of them. Um, and then for the results enthusiasts, like, you know, I have clients who struggle with, a, with various um, different things. I think specifically, um, one of my clients struggles with savior complex. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that a lot of us, you know, struggle with. Um, and until you, you kind of lay it out and provide a definition, you're like, oh, crap. Like, yeah, that's right. Many people have the savior complex. Yeah. Yeah. For us. How, what, is, what is that? So savior complex is um, when you believe that um, you can save people. I mean, in the, in the simplest of terms, it's you believing that you can save people. And um, like one of my clients struggled with that. I mean, like heavy. So like there was a, a situation where, you know, there was a friend who is an aspiring entrepreneur. They were selling some items and um, my client felt bad. She's like, oh, you know, I feel so bad. Nobody bought anything for her. Well, let me buy something. But her friend ain't want that. <laughs> you know, like her friend was was more happy with the fact that she came to support her mm-hmm. and that she was there to help, you know, either set up and clean up and things like that. You know, a lot of time we get into our heads that money is what makes our worth. And, and that's so far from mm-hmm. the truth. But those clients now today be able to say, like, I'm sorry, you cannot be an authorized user of my credit card. No, like you cannot. You know, I can't buy this for you. No, I'm not going to pay that bill for you to see people overcome the the struggles that they initially enter the program with. And like it, it's the best thing to see. So overall, like the most fulfilling part of any piece of work that I do is 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 actually the results. And that might be corny being that I'm a result enthusiast, but the results. That's what it's about. And I think the savior complex is such a a powerful thing to discuss and to, for people to acknowledge when they have it, because it sets us back so much. We get this temporary fulfillment of, um, you know, I've done this good thing and, you know, I've helped this person, but at what expense is it because you really wanted to do it? Or are you sacrificing something, you know, just to say that, you know, without me, this person wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't have access to this, wouldn't, you know, have the success, whatever, whatever the case is. It's, you know, I, and I struggle with the savior complex. I mean, and it it goes into being a people pleaser. There's just so many different things that, you know, this savior complex encompasses and it really does. It's, you know, it's, this is some work that I'm, I'm doing in therapy now is, um, whenever I have the desire to, to save people, I have to ask myself, what is, what is this rooted in? Is this rooted in me trying to get some kind of validation? Is it rooted in me trying to get some acceptance? Like what is, you know, or am I genuinely just trying to help because I just have a passion for helping this person? They need my help because that's fine. It's fine to help people, but it's about what it's rooted in. If it's rooted in you not having boundaries, if it's rooted in you trying to please people, you're, you're going to fail every time. And so, you know, our first conversation that we had, you talked a lot about people, you know, attaching their worth, their self-worth to what they can give to people. And that's harmful. It's really harmful to, to, to attach your worth to anything outside of yourself, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So, um, we so you mentioned earlier that you are a full you do have a full time job and you do the results enthusiasts and girls like me, um, you know, almost on the side, even though it's, it's not really a side hustle, you you run it 
completely. Um, what is, can you speak to the benefit of having both? So, yeah. So, um, so a benefit to having both is, um, it's almost like, I think if I can answer this with an example, it's almost like, um, I just saw a post over the other, the other day, it said, you know, when you're at home and you're not having to, you know, pay for housing expenses, you get the opportunity to, you know, lower your debts, you know, pay off some other liabilities and things like that. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, I get the perks of the nine to five and then I get the perks of, you know, actually doing fulfilling work. Um, it took me a while to realize that like, okay, the work that I'm doing in my nine to five is actually not as fulfilling as I thought it was um, before. And so, you know, I go there and I'll, I think that, I, I mean, literally nine to fives are business transactions. I come here, I deliver what you want me to deliver. You pay me and we keep it moving, you know? And then once, you know, for me, it is a little bit different because um, the key, I think, and being able to, I always think of my situation as a hybrid, like, you know, a hybrid fund employed, you know, um, because my full time, you know, my full time, my nine to five is very, very low maintenance. Um, you know, the key to that is I'm doing something that comes easy to me. I'm doing something that I'm very skilled at. And so, um, you know, using skills of like good time management um, and just prioritization, essentialism, using those principles allows me to come in, do what I got to do and really just organize my schedule to where everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, it has its hiccups, but it, it's it's really valuable um, to to get to have still have some stability there while I'm growing my businesses um, so that eventually I can do what, you know, what I love to do most all day, every day. Yeah. Can you go into that a little deeper? You, you talked, you named three things. I can't remember the first one, but time management and essentialism. Can you go into to those things? Um, because there are many people who do have full-time jobs and want to figure out how, do, how can I find the time? How can I make time to do both? And so those are three very important things that, you know, people should remember and be able to master. So can you kind of break those down? Yeah. So first I want to say that every full-time job is not going to work. So like if you work full-time in a call center, for example, like you got to take calls all day and there's no way to, there's no way around that. <laughs> you know, there's no way around that at all. Um, but for some other people, like you have like um, my full-time job is I'm an IT project manager. And so, you know, I'm running projects. I'm not doing the projects. I'm managing mm -hmm. them. So really, I got to make sure it's just no fires. I have to make sure that everybody is, has what they need. And, um, and so what I do is, you know, say I come in in the morning. I normally try to knock that stuff out right then and there. Um, I may have a couple meetings on my calendars, and I usually am able to assess, like, okay, here's a day that um, – Here's a day that is probably heavier for my nine to five. So let me, you know, on my, um, for my other businesses, I might need to take it a little bit lighter that day and not plan like a full task list. Mm -hmm. But a couple of things that I do that makes it um, easier is I, I make perfect use of my calendar. <laughs> um, like all of my calendars are synced. 
So anytime something comes up on my, um, for any of my businesses, I make sure that I, I block it out on my work calendar. If something comes up for work, I block it off on my um, other business calendar so that I don't experience time conflicts. So that's one thing that I do. Um, I am a new essentialist. And so essentialism um, is a principle that, that basically says um, it's how to discern the vital few from the trivial many. And that people usually try to make everything seem important, but, but really it's very few things that actually are. And so being able to discern, okay, what's, what's important here and what's not important here. Um, that is a really, really, really important skill to have because people will pull you into meetings that you're just going to sit on and not have any input. Um, and, and it's, it's taught me like one of the things that I, that I learned, like one of the biggest things for me that I learned was um, saying no, which is a hard thing for a lot of people to do, but not just saying no, but saying no gracefully. I wish I could, but you know, I have this other obligation or, you know, the book talks about that. It's a book by um, Greg McNone, I believe. Um, And it's, it's just called essentialism. Um, You can get it on Amazon. It's a, it's a, a really helpful book for productivity, you know, and I had to read it because I used to be one of those like hustle grind mm-hmm. people, you know, oh, I got to stay up to 2 a.m. to grind. And then there's only one thought that had to change in my mind for my behaviors to change. And that was, OK, so you mean to tell me that my brain actually functions better if I sleep more? <laughs> it seems like a dull moment, but um, it's something that, you know, if you're that grind person, like you just you want to. You think you have more time. And the, and, and, you, and the hustle is glorified. It's like, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Actually, no, I want to sleep now. I'm tired. You know, but we yeah. kind of, we have glorified this burnout culture where it's like, you need to work nonstop. You need to do all the things. We need to be up at 3 a.m. doing whatever. It's like, no, we can sleep. We need to recharge. Rest is an important part of any routine. You know, we, just as much as we work, we need to, we need to factor in schedule and rest. Um, and so we, we should not subscribe to this whole, you know, let me burn out. Let me do as much as possible. So I need to read that book, Essentialism, um, mm-hmm. because I, you know, I can, there's this guilt that comes with having free time and guilt that, you know, I'm, I'm working on this concept of rest and play. And there's a difference. It's like, yeah, you can work and you can rest, but you also need to factor in play. And so it's like finding, finding a good balance and doing what's doing only what's essential. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's, um, as a part of that, like one of the other things that came out of that for me was my business hours. So, and I mean, I have people comment on it like all the time, um, especially like, um, there's a, I have a, a real estate venture as well, um, in property management. And, um, for like, I used to work with a client who, wanted access to me like all the time. And it took me to go through that experience to be more strict about, you know, my criteria. And so now like whenever there's a, you know, I have a client, especially for property management, I make sure that I put it up front, you know, okay, so is it that you want access to me 24 hours or are you okay with just hearing from me through, you know, throughout the business hours? Because if you hit me up after five, I'm not responding. If you hit me up before 1030, unlikely, you know, because that's time that that's my refill time. And we all need that. It's it's really, really, really important for us to do that, you know? So 
Sorry. <laughs> that's so that's having how. those boundaries and knowing what your limits are really kind of helps maximize your productivity, but it makes you feel better about yourself. And that's really kind of going back to the work that you do. Um, that is really what it all goes back to is feeling good about yourself and having high sense of, you know, self-worth, high feelings of self-worth and, you know, high self-esteem. And so, um, we mentioned, you mentioned before, you know, spinning habits relate, you know, spinning habits, uh, kind of speak to your level of self-worth. And that's a connection that I would have never really put together because I'm, I like to spend money because it's something that's fun to do when I have it. Um, but how, what in your study or in your research or the work that you do, what have you learned about how your spending habits kind of tie into your feelings of self-worth? So, um, spending habits are usually, um, for most people, I should say, not for everyone, um, spending that spending habits are mostly motivated by the expectations of the outside world rather than your own. And so, um, an example, an example of that may be, um, say someone who's overweight, you know, and I think we see this one pretty often. So that's why I'm going to use it. Sometimes we see, um, people who are overweight and we're like, wow, they can dress their ass off <laughs> because, um, sometimes they may feel like they have to overcompensate mm-hmm. for the fact that they're not as small as everyone else. Um, and so it's that same thing for across the board, you know, for anyone who struggles with something like that, we feel as though we, who we are is not enough. So I need to overcompensate in these other areas so that other people think mm-hmm. more of me. Mm-hmm. And really, it's a transition that a lot of us try to make from the outside in. You know, that's why people believe in, you know, positive affirmations. And like for my girls in the program, I don't, I don't, I actually, I, I do not like positive affirmations. I like effective mm. affirmations. The process of actually affirming something, but also creating a plan around how you're going to execute that. So, you know, that's, that's really what it is that I see across the board. You know, people just trying to use the outer, the out, the outside to try to make that transformation to their inside. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I mean, you use that one example, but it can, it can manifest itself in so many other ways. It's Mm -hmm. if, if my home looks a certain way, so let me spend money on, you know, expensive, nice furniture. And it's one thing if you just enjoy, you like having nice things, but it's no, again, going back to what's the root of these purchases? What is, you know, what's behind all of it? Is it feelings of inferiority feelings of, you know, I need to overcompensate or is it just, I like to dress nicely. I like to buy nice clothes. I like to buy nice furniture, art, whatever the case, you know? Um, I think that's really, that's a really interesting connection that again, I'm learning so much that I, I, you wouldn't think to put these things together. What, um, and so what's the, what's a, what's a good way to reverse that? So say you do identify that, you know, I spend money on these things because I have low feelings of self-worth, um, you know, and, and that can spill over into business ventures. It can spill over into our professional life. So how do we work backwards and reverse what, you know, what's, what's happening with this? So I think what's really important to note here is that 
we're not going backwards. We're not reversing anything. What we're doing is we're carving a completely new path Mm. because like the things that we went through, they make us, you know, and they make us who we are. And, you know, I'm never ashamed or regretful of like the past that I've had because all of those things were lessons that turned into blessings, you know? And so some of the things that we can do to try to overwrite um, some of those, you know, some of those habits, rather, the first thing is going to be changing your thought pattern around it. That's the only way, you know, that's my belief system. My belief system is that the only way you can change a circumstance is by changing the habits and then changing the thoughts behind them. So if you want to change a circumstance, the only thing that has to change is your thought. And so um, you have to change the way that you think about things. So one of the things um, maybe I can say in my life, um, as it relates to self-esteem, you know, and like, for me, I think, um, I had to like the, with the hustle mentality, I had to change the thought behind that in order for me to do something different. And that's something that I have not struggled with since I've done that. Um, you know, even when it comes to relationships, you know, if there's a particular, I used to live according to other people's, you know, other people's opinions and their thoughts for me. I mean, I went to school for computer engineering and I thought that that was my dream and it was not, you know, my mom came from a lower, yeah. yeah, my mom came from a lower income background, you know, where, you know, she, she wanted, you know, her kids to be doctors and lawyers, and engineers, you know? Um, and, and so that's what I did. And, and, you know, it, it made me angry for a bit. Cause I was like, well, if y'all were, you know, wise enough to actually hone the, you know, the big personality that y'all said I had, <laughs> I could, you know, I could have been a hell of a leader, you know, I, like, you know, y'all could have put me in a business or a leadership organization to help me hone those skills rather than telling me to sit down and shut up and, you know, going and do things that really don't excite me, you know? So nevertheless, I think it's all about changing the, changing the thoughts that you have about those things and um and then your reality will change along with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so if we're taking that into the professional realm, um, you know, how in your experience have you seen um or how important is it for professionals to examine their their self-worth and the, you know the feelings that they have about themselves? What's the effect of professionals really being self-aware and and identifying blind spots and doing the work on themselves? Uh, in your experience with, with the results enthusiast? So that's a really, really good example of a good question. I mean, um, so I think there's two different ways. So I think um, for professionals, um, I have seen a direct correlation in one of my clients. Initially, you know, she felt like she was depressed. Now she's thriving at work. You know, there's a direct, a direct correlation between what you do, how you feel about yourself, and then how your work shows up. If you think like, and I see this all the time. I don't know if, you know, you have struggled with this before. I know I have where if I can't do it at a hundred, I'm going to do it at zero. And, and a lot of us have that all or nothing perspective. Like if I can't be perfect at it, then I'm not just going to do it at all. And and that's a, that's a real problem. But you, the reason you're not doing it all is because you feel like if you're not doing it at a hundred, then you can't, there's no, there's, you are not good enough to do it at all. And it's like, no, nah, you like, you know, you, you still got it. You still can, you can still do it at 90 and you can be good. You know, yeah, um, it's just, yeah, it, 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 it is. It really is. And I mean, that's, 
that's a whole nother ball game with perfectionism and you know that whole that whole thing. Um, but for professionals, that's where I see. I think with entrepreneurs too, um, and and this is something that you know even I have struggled with in the past. Um, when it comes to building a team and a team, not necessarily people who work for you, but people who are going to support you in your business, people who are going to really ride for you and be your marketing team. Uh, when selecting those people, sometimes, you know, you might, you feel like, oh, well, you know, they got this X amount of followers. Oh, they, you know, work with this person or they got, you know, contracts with the schools. And so you start to think that, oh, this person is so much better than me or this person is better than me. And like, I don't know about y'all, but for me, in it, in this, this ideal, it bleeds into entrepreneurship, but I could care less about if you're a company executive or if you are a colleague or a janitor, it, it like, it just does not matter to me. And I don't, I don't feel like anyone should be treated differently because of the status that they hold. Um, and so that is the same thing that I think of in entrepreneurship. It doesn't matter, you know, like if somebody wanted a meeting with Mayor Sony, it's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's Mayor Sony, he's the mayor, but like, I don't see why, like, why I would be all in a frenzy to to meet with him. He's a person. He's a human person. <laughs> he's a human person. <laughs> so yeah, you know, a lot, of, a lot of growth, and I think it's that's why it's so dangerous to compare yourself or your journey to someone else because you are seeing a snippet of their life Mm -hmm. you know I think it's really dangerous to covet someone else's life to say oh my gosh I see what they're posting I wish I had their life and it's like I would much rather do the work on the life that I know which is my own versus wanting someone else's life that I only see a, a snippet of because we don't have the full picture we don't have all the context and so we see something that looks nice it does not mean that they're better than we are that they are further along than we are it just, this is just their reality. What they post in that moment is what they are experiencing, what they're going through, whatever. Um, and it says nothing about us, everything about them and what they're doing. It has, it does not at all speak to who we are and what our value is. Um, and so it's, it's really dangerous to kind of go down this path of, you know, comparing yourself and your journey, because there's a lot of people who have opportunities. I mean, if you're doing this thing right, a lot of opportunities will come because of good relationships you have with people, not necessarily because someone is more qualified than you are. Someone just may have better connections than you do or different connections than you do, you know? And so, um, there was, um, you know, Beyonce recently posted her, uh, on her website, the list of black businesses to support. And I remember, mm-hmm. um, my leak teal did a Q and a, and someone said, well, how does it feel to be recognized by Beyonce? And she was like, actually the woman who curated that list I have a friend, a close friend of mine is close friends with her. And so that's how you get in these spaces. It's, you know, my business was referred by one of my friends. It's not that my business is better than yours or that, you know, I'm just a better businesswoman. I just have different connections that put me in different places. And so, you know, kind of like rethinking that and, you know, detaching your self-worth, um, 
from anything outside of you and the work you're doing on yourself, I think that's the most important thing. And that really does, it changes how we, you know, move in professional spaces, who we decide to connect with, how we decide to nurture connections, um, how we decide to show up in the world. Like it's important to show up as your authentic self. I think all of those things kind of help make sure you are in a good position to thrive in your own Mm -hmm. individual lane. You have to have some vision. It's all about your own lane. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think it's really important to shift your mindset and to realize that your self-worth is not tied to any of this at all because it can be taken away in a minute. <laughs> it's, you know. yeah, and I, I think especially when it comes to, you know, people's money, like when I was, I was young, um, probably in middle school when, you know, someone told me just because people have money doesn't necessarily mean that they want or desire those same nice things. And just because people have nice things doesn't mean they have money. But the bottom line of it all is we don't know. And that's the key. It's kind of like, you know, for me, when I see someone, you know, and and really like, I mean, I don't look out for it. You know, I'm kind of like, let me search around and see who's got what. But, you know, when certain people make note of, oh, they've got Louboutins, it's kind of like, okay, I mean, she could have paid full price for them. She could have got them off Poshmark. They could have been, you know, handed down by a girlfriend. You know, there's a couple things I could have, she could have won them. Like, it's a couple things that could have transpired. We don't know what other people's situations are. And I think that that's really important to use when you, when the, when working with people who have that lower sense of self-esteem, you know, and self-worth to say like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, they're wearing this or they have that, or I really want, you know, this handbag, it's like, that's cool. You know, that we can look, we can make that happen. That's perfectly fine. But the motor? just because the other person have it, has it doesn't mean that they're better than you. And it doesn't mean because at the end of the day, you don't know how they got it. And really how they got it doesn't matter. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it is so, like, it means nothing. It's so empty, you know, it, it's substanceless. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, so what's the benefit of, you know, and, and that's why you have to think about the motivation behind it all. Sure, you can get these yep. shoes or this handbag, but why do you want it? Do you want it because you think that, that it makes you look a certain way? Do you th- do you want it because you think that it says something about who you are and it gives off a different message and you're looking for acceptance? Or do you want it because, you know what, I really like those shoes and I've always wanted a pair and I can finally afford them, whether I'm, I've saved for them or whether I, you know, have I make more money now. It's... Think about the motives behind what you do um, and why you buy the things that you buy. Um, And I I think that's how you really know when you are in a healthy space. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get on autopilot. That's, you know, that's what I have, I've heard. um, I have had the, the, um, you know, thankfully, like I've, I've just, I've never been one of those people. I've like always been intentional, um, intentional about, you know, pretty much everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know several people who are even close to me who have experiences of just being on autopilot, you know, and I know probably run into them every single day, but it's like autopilot is not enough. And I think it's not enough because, and, and it, it, again, it, it speaks to someone's self-worth because, I like, I know that I'm worth, I have, I know that I look at myself and I say that there are people who rely on me and not in a a arrogant sense, but in a way that like, 
There are people who, you know, there's a need out here in this world. I've been put here for a purpose. I've been put here for a reason. And it's not just for me to just go through the motions. Mm -hmm. You know, there are needs that need to be fulfilled. And I want everybody to know that we're all here for a reason. And there is a need that we all fulfill. And it's okay if you haven't figured that out yet. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the other thing. It's okay not to know. It's okay to, you know, hop and figure it out. Like, I've never been one of those people who believed in, you know, and I'm, maybe this is old school, but like how some people is like, oh, stay at one job for 40 years. I'm like, uh, nah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm jump and hop and skip, you know, to what whatever fills me or whatever is in alignment with what I'm trying to do is my end goal. Yeah. It's perfectly fine, but you have the self, like you are worthy of that. You are worthy of doing what makes you happy at the end of the day. But again, like you said, like motives matter, you know, like if you're telling me, oh, well, you know, I want to, um, I want to go and get these things because someone else has it. I want to go and do these things because someone else did it. It's like, you gotta, you gotta check that. You, you really do. You know, you have to check that and you have to align yourself and say, okay, what is it that I want? Or why is it that I want this? Or what's my background? Um, like a lot of the work is going backwards to acknowledge Mm -hmm. it's almost like checking you do got to go back and you have to check the box and say okay now I know why that happened let me take this and let me use this when as I fast forward you know it's important yeah Yeah, that is that's it And, and that's the work that you have to do um and it's constant work you don't reach this destination of oh I'm I finally feel like I am my self esteem is at its peak and I have no more work to do there's as you grow and evolve, whether you are growing your career, you're you're entering into relationships, you are, you know, there's so many different variables that life throws at you every single day. And so it, this is constant work you have to do to check in with yourself to make sure that you are still in tune with who you are at your core and you still have, you know, your value system and you have your beliefs about yourself and those can't be shaken. You can, you know, view things in different ways. You can, you know, as you get a new information, you can decide how that factors into your life, but you have to have a really solid sense of self-worth so that you can't be swayed in every, you know, with every different situation that arises, you have to really be confident and firm. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I think that's work that is ongoing. It's work that I'm constantly doing on myself. Um, And I think as long as we're all committed to doing that work, we can pour into the younger generation who will also, who also now needs to, you know, grasp that and and internalize that and and know that they have value and worth outside of what people may say or outside of their circumstances. Um, So yeah, it's so great that you have decided to, you know, devote your, your work to these, these young girls who who need to to have this healthy thought process, um, you know, as they become the young woman that they're supposed to be. Yeah. And the one thing I want people to know is exercise self-grace. Because being hard on yourself is not going to help. You have to exercise self-grace and understand that you'll get there. Enjoy the ride. You'll get there. Just be patient with yourself. And the way I thought about it is if I wouldn't speak to somebody else like that, why would I speak to myself like that? Or why would I treat myself like that? Mm -hmm. Think about that, you know? Think about that and, and really... And really try to cultivate that experience for yourself. Mm, I love that self grace. That's the that needs to be like the the um, the theme of like <laughs> the rest of twenty twenty for me. 
Um, <laughs> it's self grace. It goes a long way. Giving yourself grace. And yeah, that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful note to end on. I think, um, and such a powerful, poignant kind of reminder that we we have to give ourselves grace. We are all works in progress, and it's it's okay. It is okay. <laughs> we will be okay. So before we go, of course, we have to end with a win and a woe. So um, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? You can go first. So my win, um, we've been talking about finances and things like that. Um, I'm finally getting into the stock market. I invested... Um, I rolled, so when I, when I first left my full-time job, I rolled over my 401k into an investment account. So that's been growing and, you know, I've been diversifying and getting risky and whatever. Um, but I really wanted to try like trading stocks and getting into that kind of thing. My parents are really active in it. They've been trading for years. So I've been hearing them you know, have conversations about how much money they made today and all this stuff and what they're going to buy, what they're going to sell, all this stuff. And so I finally, I was like, I'm ready to really like get active. And so I had, I put money into an investment account, started like buying stocks and that was 2018 and I kind of just let it sit and I wasn't really paying any attention to it. Um, and I was losing money and I didn't even realize it because I thought like, Oh, you and you invest your money in these stocks. It's going to grow. You're going to get rich. Blah. But, <laughs> but I really, over these past few weeks have really been, Focusing on what it all means, making sure that I'm educated, doing research, watching CNBC and like seeing, you know, what trends are happening in the news and things like that, that affects stock prices and, you know, lets you know if a company is on the, you know, downfall or if it's rising, all of these things. There's so much involved in the stock market, but I feel good that I've kind of thrown myself into it and really focused on, you know, if I say I want to diversify my income and, you know, have multiple streams, then I need to be educated. I can't just, you know, throw myself halfway into something. I need to know what I'm doing in order to be successful. The same way I study in my in my field for my business, I need to study, um, you know, with these other things. And so I'm really excited that my win is that I've gotten really into the stock market and I'm seeing some growth. I've been taking some risks. I've made some money. So that's it's going well so far. I'm a few weeks in. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've gotten a few friends. We have a group chat going and like people were like, what are you trading? What are you buying? It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and you have to get it all in and get it all done before the stock market closes every day. So it's really cool. Um, but the woe is on that in that same token, um, you know, it's investing in the stock market is really it's really risky because emotions get involved and you know we get greedy and like all of our human instincts kick in when it's like when you're trying to make money and so um i purchased uh two weeks ago or not this past friday but the friday before i um decided to purchase urban one stock which is the black owned company Mm -hmm. that owns radio one tv one all those great media companies. Um, They are publicly traded. I think one of the only publicly traded black owned companies. And so I bought their stock uh, super low at like a dollar 70. And by Monday, the price had like grown to $4 and something like 460. So I made a profit. So I'm like, all right, great. I'm pulling my money out. 
Um, but then like in the, the days coming, it like rose and rose and rose. And I was like, oh man, I got out too soon. So let me like jump back in. So I jumped back in at $19. Um, I couldn't believe it got that high. And so I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to like, I'm going to jump in. It's going to keep rising. Then I'm going to make a profit and pull out. Well, I got selfish. The price rose to $35. My dad was like, you need to get out, pull out, like sell it. You're done. You made your money. And I was like, no, I'm going to just stay in and see what happens. And it dropped. Of course it dropped. And so that it's kind of, it's a, it's a learning lesson. You know, I still made a profit, not as much, but, um, you know, it kind of goes, it's a bigger life lesson, this whole stock market thing, because it's like, you know, a lot of times we aren't just satisfied with winning. We have to like push it, push it and see like how much we can get, how far we can go. And it's like, sometimes it's okay to like a win is a win. Profit is profit. Like take it and go. Because if you stay in a situation longer than you need to, then sometimes it doesn't always serve you. And you know, it's, it's get out of it what you can and pull out when you see it's no longer serving you. And so I stayed in much longer. I lost some money. Well, I, I didn't gain as much money, but, um, it was a learning lesson. And so now I'm just watching it and I'm like watching the stocks just rise and fall. And I'm like, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to try to like get emotional with my investing. I need to be strategic. And so it's just, it's been a really good learning lesson, but, um, you know, that was my woe that, you know, I'm making mistakes. I'm still learning. And, you know, that comes with trying to become well-versed in any new thing. Um, this is all brand new to me. So, um, yeah. That's, that's great. I'm really happy for you. That 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 stock stuff, like that, I do not. I yeah, I don't dabble in like investments. I let you know my financial planner do that. I just keep my money in my 401k. And um, but that that that's good for you. And you have you have to show me. Um, you have to hit me yeah. today. <laughs> Actually, I I put out a little um a little post on Facebook. So my wealth manager has agreed to host a class about stock market investing. Um, so that's for you and whoever's listening. Um, we are putting together, um, you know, a, a class or multiple classes for people who, cause there's a lot of people, a lot of black people I've been talking to want to get involved. Um, and so it, my wealth manager, he's black. He's really passionate about the black community, like building wealth. And so he's going to teach a few classes. So, you know, if you're interested, definitely reach out and I'll put you on the list so that we can, um, you know, we can all get in this class and we can all learn and we can all invest and grow our money together. So. Yes. Add me. Yes, me well. All right. You're winning your well. So I'm going to start with my woe. Um, and then I can, we can end on a more positive note with my win. Um, so my, well, um, so on Sunday, um, took my dad out for some dessert and, um, we, so we went to this local dessert shop and, uh, I experienced some unconscious biasness. Um, that was really like you, it's things like there are things I think that happen to us as black people often that we know is like right in front of our face. Um, but then like when you, when it almost like when it happens, like in a real life form sometimes, and it's really direct, it seems it's like, wow, you know, like this is really happening. So what happened was, um, so we were in line, uh, I was my family and, um, there was a, a black couple in between us. So like half of my family's in the front, half my family's kind of in, in the back and in between us is this black couple. And, um, so when my brother went to go pay, um, 
they, you know, I guess was trying to get our order. We had like five items and then, um, the couple there, um, they were asking them what they got too. And so, um, you know, we went on, we went to go eat our dessert or whatever. And, you know, our brother comes and he says, oh no, like, you know, they missed, they rang us up for more than what we had. Um, and so, uh, he went back in and was like, Hey, yeah, I think there was a mistake. You know, we only had five desserts and you rang us up for seven. And so, um, by now y'all probably, probably know what happened, but, uh, yeah, they, they basically, uh, grouped us with the other black people. And, um, that wasn't even the worst part though. The worst part was when he went to go get it taken care of, um, you know, the cashier told him, oh, okay, well, you know, we'd be happy to refund it, but you have to go and find the other couple so they can pay for their desserts. And <laughs> we don't know them. <laughs> we don't know them. Like, what? you know what I mean? Like, like you know, so my brother comes back, um, comes back to the table and, um, you know, he told us what they said. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I wasn't having it. I mean, in short, I wasn't having it. <laughs> so I was like, I, mm, get, let me get that receipt. And so, you know, I went back in, you know, we're, we're still wearing masks. So like I'm fuming and my mask is, um, you know, blocking my airways. And so I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna leave here with some health issues. Cause you know, I'm really, you know, I was just so angry, you know, that that happened. And so, you know, I went up to her and I said, Hey, you know, my brother just left here. He said that, uh, you know, we had to go find the other couple in order for you to refund us for their ice cream. Oh, yeah. You know, and she was so, like, normal about it. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can just find them, then, you know, we'll we'll refund it. And it was like, oh, man. I shouldn't be responsible for their... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not, you know, like, that. That absolutely not. And, and as she said, oh, yeah, you know, I thought you guys were together. And so I said, well, why did you think we were together? Oh, well, because, you know, you guys were giving your orders and they were giving your orders. I said, no, ma'am. And then, you know, like one of her coworkers who wasn't that far away said, oh, no, you know, I get what she's saying. You know, um, you know, we we thought y'all were together because all of y'all were black. And I admit that that's what we thought. And, you know, I apologize for that. And so part of me felt really good that like somebody caught on, you know, Um and I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that they were racist or that, you know, it was anything like that, but that's exactly, that's exactly the definition of unconscious, unconscious bias. You know, that's exactly it. You not knowing what it is that you're doing because it just happens for you just normally because it's what you've been taught, you know? Um, and so, you know, I mean, I let them know that, you know, I'm not mad at you because that's not going to solve a problem. This is a learning experience. This is a growth moment. That's why I'm calling it out because we want this to get better, you know, and by the other associate saying, you know, but she didn't, I didn't even have to say it. She said it. And so, you know, that, that just, that was, that was so upsetting. And I mean, I think there was definitely, I mean, I don't want to call it a breakthrough. I think there was some positivity in that, you know, shown a, an experience and having the opportunity to be able to educate someone on, you know, their behaviors that are, that's, really the root of so many of our racial issues in our country right now. So that was my well of the week. Um, that, that was, that was, that was lame. <laughs> um, but my win of the week, um, 
I got a uh, I got a testimonial from um, one of my newer clients, and um, in her testimonial, um, it says like you know what's one of my greatest strengths, and she said that I was poised, and I think that 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 really hit home for me because you know I'm I am a very different person today than who I was even I mean a year ago, two years ago, like, you know, like I do, I'm very intentional about myself, you know, my, my growth. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I mean, quite frankly, like I used to be very rowdy. Um, I'm probably still rowdy, but, um, you know, for someone to, to describe me in that way is definitely something that, you know, I've been waiting to hear, um, from where I come from, um, it's just it, it, that was that was a huge win for yeah. me. Um, I'm just I'm really happy to hear that the work that I've been doing is now starting to realize itself, um, even for other people, because we we work on ourselves. We could work on ourselves for so long, but nobody else is going to start. You know, you're almost like reversing. At least for me, it's been like that. I've been having to reverse the things that, you know, that you know, I, I, I placed some challenges in front of me, um, in the past, but just to see, you know, to see someone recognize the work that I have been doing on myself, that is an amazing thing. So y'all, I am poised. Uh, <laughs> going for all of my profiles and my, in my bio, I am poised. Thank you very much. I've worked hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, that was a huge win. Yeah, so. that's good. That's really good. Thank you so much, Deja. So before we get out of here, let people know how they can get in touch with you, whether they want to just connect with you or become a client. Yeah. So if you would like to connect with me, um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my Instagram is at it's Deja Coley. That's I-T-S-D-E-J-A-C-O-L-E-Y. Um, if you'd like to become a client, you can go to my website, theresultsenthusiast.com and click book a call. And uh, we will get in touch that way. That's awesome. And of course, you know, we have these, you know, she works with young women and we, we talked so much about the importance of young women having the resources and connections to, you know, become their best self and have a you know positive sense of self-worth. And so if you all have any young women who you feel could use, you know, some support as they discover who they are and, you know, become happy and fall in love with who they are, um, you know, definitely reach out to Deja for the um, Girls Like Me organization. And of course, you can get in touch with me on Instagram at Jana M. Hall. Um, and the podcast uh, is on Instagram as well at Forever Fun Employed. And if you have any questions, um, topic ideas, or anything you want to reach out about, you can reach out via email at foreverfunemployed at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, so thank you all so much for tuning in. Deja, thank you so much for joining. I will see you all next time. Bye.